Gentlemen, the house is now open and featuring on the set today is the wonderful, the talented best friend of mine that is Stuart Waters. How are you, Stuart? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's all right. I mean, everything that we've gone through in university and afterwards and all that, I think it would be a sin if I didn't have you on, bud. Yeah, (laughs) of course. The ventures we've been through. Wouldn't want to miss this one out, of course. I mean, you were technically my lodger in first year after all the times you were kipping on the floor after nights out and everything. (laughs) On that most comfy rug. That was uh, definitely, Ah. definitely a good place to sleep in. (laughs) (laughs) I love how it became like a routine. It's like, yeah, I've got my sleeping bag ready for the night out and all that sort of stuff. We knew it was going to be a regular occurrence. So (laughs) it's just just like, yeah, you got it ready? Yeah, okay, cool. If I'd had a bit too much to drink or whatever, then you just come up and say, oh, Scott, you mind if I... Yeah, it's fine, bud, no worries. Oh, my God. God, I can't believe it's been six years since graduation, bud. I know. It just feels like... distant time before like you know you know it's yeah. like one of those reunion parties that you like see on like television and stuff you, know, you just like feels like so grown up now um mm. like since then of course it feels like i've been in comprehensive school like six years ago do you get yeah. do you get me it just feels like school it doesn't feel like we were 18 to 21 years old at that time oh it's mental man the one thing i always find funny though is do you remember the performance industry module oh that was in what third was year. the third year was it i didn't do it I didn't do that module. Was it because you went to America? Because I went to America. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The only reason I bring that up is because I remember at the end of that module, we had to do a five minute presentation to camera describing where we saw ourselves in five years and how we were going to get there. Yeah. I don't think anybody in that room said, in five years' time, I'm going to be stuck at home doing nothing because there's going to be a, an apocalypse or something like that. So. <laughs> If somebody had done that as a joke, uh, I would have been literally thinking to myself, well, you were the most accurate. Well done. (laughs) It's it's a bit mad because like when I was in second year of uni, I started making YouTube videos to camera. I started creating them and putting them on my YouTube channel and stuff. And so many years later now, I'm doing it on a much more professional level, playing stuff on Twitch, performing to Twitch, uh, singing on Twitch, playing video games on Twitch. And it's something that years ago I was doing as a side activity, something I did enjoy. But now it's like something that I'm thinking, I want to do this as a career. I want to do this as a, a proper endeavor uh if i if i could do that yeah i mean you seem to have the right mind frame for it but so honestly if it's something you want to do you just work your ass off with it and yeah as long as you enjoy it that's the main thing Stuart, could you just give us like a brief overview of like some of the experiences you've had in the worlds of the arts i mainly started at the age of about eight years old in drama i went to a local um theater school called classic theater school I was there till about the age of 18. I mainly went because of my uh, semantic pragmatic disorder, which if you don't know what that is, um, it's mainly your trouble understanding context. Yes. Trouble understanding different sentences, different expressions, and that sort of thing. So that's why my parents recommended I do like drama classes, learn ways of expression, learn ways of understanding people. And through that experience, I got to do many different musicals, um, different performances of Les Miserables, Oliver, High School Musical, and we were the first to youth company to ever do um, that show which was fantastic and then going into university then to top it all off at the end I got a chance to go to 
uh, America, um, as briefly mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, went to North Carolina, studied there, and um, and really got to open up my imagination and use that for creativity, which was amazing. After that, then I uh, um, went around and did some pantomime and worked with children uh, quite a lot. I mean, oh no, you didn't. Well, yes, I did. Yes, I did indeed. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, the opportunity was there. <laughs> That's something he's probably going to reject, ladies and gentlemen. It's like the whole joke that people say when I say I was in Panto and they say, oh, no, you didn't. It's like, get out. It's behind you. It's behind you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carry on, buddy. Yeah, so we basically got to, um, I got to do a lot of that then through the next coming years. 2016 2017 from that you know doing a few auditions and performances commercials here and there and then so i had to settle down and um do more sort of video game um based performances and podcasts and doing stream you know basically yeah. what i'm doing is now is uh, yeah. on twitch streaming now i'm performing to camera that way it's a lot of fun. i do a bit of voice acting as well before we crack on i gotta ask you this question because this is something that's always um one way or the other are video games a form of art? I would say so, because in the end, you are still telling a story uh, within the game. You know, people create video games and characters, you know, they make yeah. models of the characters that they create in the game and, the, you know, the things that you create. And that is that is design. That is art. Yeah. Even though the form is not physical, mm-hmm. uh, it's digital, but there's still yeah. creativity within that um, that process. You know, even if it goes like like sport games or adventure games or action games, the, the creativity is always there because it is a project in the end. And it's another form of storytelling as well, because a lot of people say it's like, oh, they're just mindless. There's nothing to it. I can tell you the amount of times I've had an emotional response from video games, like stuff like The Witcher 3, The Last of Us, all these games that were just really beautiful and amazing to play but the story arc that was just so emotional i was just like i was watching a video and the writer of game of thrones george rr R. martin doesn't think they're art so if you're listening to this george then stewart says otherwise and i take his word for it my word is law on that point like i can you know just extend that a bit further because um it, it's really starting to get into the stage now where um it's not like a visual novel, um, but you know, like Detroit Become Human, Heavy Rain. They were sort of like the early um, like yeah. you know, stories being created. And then you started really getting the star talent. And a lot of these stories now are being created via motion capture. Yeah. And these motion capture scenes, it's the real actors. They're in these motion capture suits, but they're doing the scene. Mm-hmm. So it's it's becoming a dramatized play and you're playing through it saying it's not a work of art when it's technically you're doing drama and you're doing theatre work and then you're translating it into a digital sense. Explain that. That's the thing. Art is all subjective. Some people may find some entertainment or emotion to anything that they find interesting. Then you, you might go on the flip side. It might not be their cup of tea, but another person might find it an emotional or have a connection with it in that sense. Yeah, that's just your interest in a sense. You don't have to... Um, bring it down. you just have to mention that it's something that you know that doesn't take your fancy if i want to ask anyone that question i wanted to guess Stuart's uh, opinion on it right then before we get into the main chunk i call this an icebreaker but i feel like we've um had a good enough chat already but just for a bit of fun <laughs> Stuart, this is a quick round of would you rather so i'm gonna say two things and this isn't necessarily you have to choose one and then the other one goes away it's more like in the moment what you would rather have so you can still have the other thing later on 
The only reason I say that is because on the previous episodes, I've had people having anxiety attacks. It's like, I don't want to choose. I don't want to choose. It's like, <laughs> it's okay. It's so okay. Treat it as if uh, someone's got a gun to my head then. So you've got to choose one or the other. <laughs> no, it's just like, oh, um, what, what DVD do I fancy watching now? Oh, I'll watch that one. I'll watch that one tomorrow. Think of it that way. It's going to be quick fire, is it? You can give like an explanation if you want to, or if you want to do quick fire, whatever is on your mind. There we are. So the first one is Freddie Mercury or Frank Sinatra. Freddie Mercury. I'll tell you why, because uh, it's definitely the mo- the best I got accepted amongst my social peers, amongst my friends in school and stuff, because it was a town composition in my local area. And I did a performance in the final of it. My mum got the exact costume as Freddie Mercury in Wembley, yellow jacket, white sort of tracksuit bottoms, and she designed it on the side. She was really good with fashion, like great and sewing stuff on and uh, nice. creating costumes and all that, even though she, you know, she just worked in retail and uh, she was just very good with a thread and needle. She managed to get the stuff together. Um, I sat the costume for a long time beyond that. I did the final and I got second place. Now, after that time competition, my school did another one. And I said, okay, no, I, I got that performance. I'll do it for this one as well. And everyone was so blown away by how confident I was. Because like, you know, I was always shy and, and like silly and stuff in school. You know, it was, it was kind of a character. Yeah, but yeah. the way in which they saw me like confident and really willing to go with it, no matter the pressure, really got me accepted and, um, amongst my friends then. And they saw like, yeah, yeah, I've done it. I've made it. So you definitely broke free then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nice, man. Great answer. Great answer. Next one is the winter or the summer. Oh, tough one because I don't like either. <laughs> to go for a quick answer, I'd probably go for the summer because it's still, it's still times that I can relax, go outside, enjoy the weather, when it's winter, it's cold. You know, you're actually staying inside and you're cooped up and in. It's nice to watch, but yeah, summer, I will go for. This one I probably know is going to be an easy one, but just for the fans at home, Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario? Tough, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Hands well, down. I, I grew time. up Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> all the way through. I mean, I, I, I've played... The only Mario game I've ever played was the one on Nintendo DS. Um, nice. All the rest of the time, you know, I was a big Sonic fan. Loved the speed, loved the enthusiasm of the characters and stuff. And you know, it was just a much wondrous place. That and and more importantly, the music. The music I really get along to. It's a great jam. Next one: big city or small town? Big city, I would say, because I've nice. been in New York City, uh, you know, being on Times Square and all that. Seeing just the colours of uh, all the, the boards you could see and the commercialism. And it just felt like being in a dream sort of city and stuff, like something in a video game. Awesome, man. Uh, pizza or kebab? I'm a absolute pizza guy. You know, I can binge on that on a Friday night. <laughs> TV shows or video games? Video games. I pride there myself on. Thankfully, you didn't have any panic attacks over which one to choose. So, <laughs> of course, the, you're the first one who's given me decisive answers. <laughs> Myself and Stuart are going to be on a metaphorical audition panel where we have to decide whether things get rejected or recalled in the industry. And remember, if something does get a recall, it can always be rejected later. Just uh, personal preferences and opinions. Are you ready to go, Stuart? Ready. Lovely. So, without further ado, what has walked into our audition room today, Stuart, and why are you rejecting it? 
The first thing I'm putting forward is payment by check. And the reason yeah. I do this is because of one company which I did work with uh, after university. Payment was always by check. And when you're touring and stuff, you don't have the time in order to pick up your check and then go cash it. Yeah. So then obviously you get the money going in mm-hmm. and you had to make your way, you had to make your own way using your own uh, money in order to get to the venue that you're staying at before you move on to the next performance. You go home first and you got to wait for that check to cash. And there's always like, you know, a set number of days before that goes into your bank. Then there's so much of a period before you actually have access to that money. And it sort of left me in a, in a, in a state where, you know, right towards the end of the tour that we were doing it, it just like, it was like dwindling on the like a, you know almost bare minimum and i almost uh end up not getting home um managed to get Are it you serious yeah so i had to ask around and just try and get up as much as i can and then obviously when i got back then i got the money i was just sort of put it back to people then and sort of yeah. work it back that way but to be left in that position it was really really horrible because you feel stranded with any jobs that um like after I did that tour, I said like with any jobs I'm doing, you want to have like some sort of instant payment. Whether it's like you know, if it's like then cash in hand, it doesn't happen. Co- you know, comedy nowadays doing cash in mm-hmm. hand, but mainly if it's like a direct debit payment, I want that that sort of thing. Me. More something that's like yeah, instant like that because doing it by check takes way too long. As soon as you said about the checks, my instant thought was like jobs I've done as an extra on film and TV. A lot of these companies will pay. Like I understand there's a lot of people to get through, but surely it would save a lot of trees if it was done through bank transfer. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And they, they, do, they still ask for your bank details nonetheless anyway, yeah. but it's much faster just to do like an instant bank transfer and you know, fill out a check, put in the post, send it to the person so then they have to pick it up. Mm. Would it have been even faster if you, all right, here's a check. Okay, you can stay here in Newcastle now and then you can cash it into like another bank in a local area that you're staying in instead of like sending it to the house and yeah. you, you can't have access to it. Because like my family wasn't home all the time, so there wasn't always a time where they could pick it up and then cash it in. It's just a pain, real pain. For a touring production to be paying you by check, and like, what year was this? I'm assuming like 2017 or something like this. 2017, so. yeah, because uh, I think it was it was the year after I was I was working on the cruise ferry. And when you're moving back and forth, and like, you probably don't get a lot of time to do your own thing. Or if you think about it, like, I live right next door to a post office, and like, I'm dropping off parcels for my sister and my mum constantly. Mm-hmm. And I know the queues are massive at a certain time because like a lot of people are either on break from work or they've got that day off and it's just queues and queues and queues so when you get a chance to go to the bank and cash a check everyone's in the same boat so it's like why are they wasting so much time they could be saving themselves a whole lot of effort like hell it would save their wrists from hurting from writing so many checks yeah true (laughs) there's less things to write yeah, less things to write, saving more trees. And the thing I like about this point is you're being considerate from the environment, Stuart. It's true. It's very, very true. Save save the trees. Yeah. Hashtag save the trees. Hashtag save the trees. <laughs> Again, like cash in hand, depending on the job, like depending on what sort of production you're in. Like it could be like, oh, we just need someone to come in for like uh, an hour or so. Like yeah. Here's some money for like um, your time. Okay, I understand that. Direct debit, especially in this way, should be a must, if anything. Absolute must. Paying by check, especially like in a touring capacity, it's just unneeded. It's so easy to set up a bank transfer now these days. Everyone can do it. PayPal's a thing. I know PayPal isn't always the most reliable of sources, but bank transfer, 
easy enough. So yeah, instantly it's walked into the audition room, Stuart. People that still pay their actors by check gets rejected from this industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rejected. Rejected. <laughs> right then. So we are one for one on the Reject or Recall podcast. And I've got to say, if anyone pays me a check again, <laughs> get out. Get out of my studio. <laughs> right then. Stuart, what is the second auditionee that's come into our space today? And what has it done to you that makes you want to reject it? This is an interesting one because uh, I don't know if it's necessarily happened to me in a sense. The addition I'm putting in is typecasting. Oh, okay. The reason I saw this, I took inspiration from the fact that there was the play, um, so in London, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time ever that uh, Hermione Granger had been cast as a black lady. And it got me thinking, like, we're in such a diverse society now where we have so many different races, religions, people from all across the world, sexual orientations and all that, uh, and everything like LGBTQ and so yep. on and so forth. So we have these particular character definitions in particular plays. You stay away from, like, historical periods because you're obviously telling a story of that time. But in terms of when you have, like, a play where the characters are only described by their characteristics mm -hmm. uh, and their, their, their social relationships or um, things that define them, things you know, by the way they act or how they address certain situations. It shouldn't be typecast to a white person or a black person or someone with okay. blonde hair or some, someone mm -hmm. with like a brown hair because yep. any, any human is capable of that behavior because they're trained in that and they get to study that. And this has been done like when we've been in when I've been in cats as well, doing like high school musical. Like what what if Sharpay was a black lady? What if Gabriella was played by a white girl? What if it was the other way around? What if like what if it was Gabriel, who was the guy, uh, came from somewhere distant? And if it was Troy who was at East High or you know, whatever a female name for Troy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The best story I've heard in terms of casting and writing is the film Alien by Ridley Scott. The main character was actually initially written for a man, but Sigourney Weaver just um, did such a good job in the audition, they thought, well, why can't she play it? Because there's nothing specific to a male person that it could be played by anybody. And they did the thing as well, I mean, they do it a lot now with Shakespeare, Shakespeare is so, um, I was thinking that we're like customizable. You know, it, it, it can be so interpretive in so many different ways. Uh, yeah. I've seen productions where the genders were reversed. Sometimes, you know, it's all gender. Like some people, some people were of gay, or, gay sexual orientation. You know, some were of uh, all ladies as well. It's so easy and, and so interesting and intriguing to see Shakespeare plays taken from this perspective. What if it was like this? Always asking the what if and exploring yeah. this sort of way. It doesn't have to be a period piece. You know, Shakespeare yeah. was always written in um, like the early centuries of time. However, in this modern era, we can always think of these stories, how they're portrayed like modern society. It's, yeah. it's done over and over and over again uh, in so many different ways. And it's uh, just amazing to explore. So why not explore it in terms of how society is developing nowadays in terms of its relationships with each other? Especially like with the some of the stories that Shakespeare told, like you say, like they're so universal that they could apply to anybody. So why can't um, a woman be Hamlet or 
I don't know, why can't a man go through the problems that a woman character faces? Because, like, some people say, oh, it's like, it's too emotional. It's like, well, men feel emotions as well, so what's the problem with that? Like you said earlier about, like, High School Musical and switching the roles around for races, gender and all that, I don't see a problem with it. And then you've got so many people, like, Twitter is the worst place for it and obviously you and I are both big nerds like for comic books, video games and all that. How many times have you been on Twitter and there's been like an article saying this iconic video game character is going to be played by someone of a different ethnicity from what it was originally portrayed and everyone's like kicking off. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, okay, whatever. Cool. I don't see what the fuss is all about because (laughs) they can do just as good a job it's seeing the story from a different point of view. Yeah. And it's another story to be told. Mm. So there's no reason why it cannot happen. Yeah. It's like art, like we said earlier, is subjective to whoever's telling the story. And that's the thing. How many times have you seen a remake or a reboot? And yeah, like not all of the remakes or reboots are good, but they're trying to have their own spin on it. And I appreciate people who try and do that instead of trying to do like, carbon cutout copies yeah absolutely like i had the one time when um i directed this was a regret on my part because we had an audition process when i was doing my directing uh class in america i directed a scene from martin mcdonald's the pillow man as an interrogation scene the three characters in it were all gentlemen right and as we were going through the audition process you know People who wanted to audition for the plays that we were directing, obviously one by one coming in, whoever wanted the characters, whoever were very happy with the audition, you know, it was like sort of first come, first serve. Yeah. Spaces were running out. I had I had a few people, but I was still looking for one more. Right. And I was knowing that the person was all a gentleman, but I was always thinking of the opportunity. What if a woman could play this part? Yeah. A woman could absolutely play this part. We see women as detectives, interrogators, judges, juries, um, prosecutors, defense, who can perform the role with just as much majesticness as a gentleman can. A lot of people make the argument, or the source material stated that it was a man or woman or vice versa. Unless it's an integral part of the source material or the story, then it doesn't really matter. When I tend to write a lot of my scripts with Equality Productions, I try to write it with an open mind. So, like, I may write a character who is a male character or whatever, but if, like, I'm reading the script and then an actress sends in a casting call, I'll be like, yeah, cool, come audition for it, have a read. And then that's why I always say any gender actors can come and apply for my projects because at the end of the day... It is universal. It's not just applied to one gender, race, sex, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, given with the the class that we were doing, we were uh, instructed to go with the what the characters were down as. So it was three gentlemen that I did still need to get, but I absolutely um, thought afterwards, what sort of opportunity would they have had if we had um, one of the ladies who auditioned cast in the play? How amazing could that story have been? How amazing could their performance have been um, if we had that female aspect in there? Um, who could have done just an who could have done just an efficient of a job as the gentleman that I that I would have chosen? I remember when we were in university, one of our lecturers, Jim McCarthy, he said to me when we were in third year, and we were just like talking about like plays of the past, productions of the past at the university, and he said that he wanted to do and he had structured a 
all-female version of the film 12 Angry Men. All right. Which is basically, the film is just about a jury deciding if this person is innocent or guilty. That sounds cool. Like, just because it's got the word men in the title, women are allowed on the jury as well. So Yeah. So it's like... And they have just the same... They can uh, produce the same kind of human behaviour. So I think the point here is more about the people who think that typecasting needs to be stuck in that position. So it's like, if something has been betrayed or written as something like that, it can't be undone. Yeah, as a period piece, when you, when you are trying to be representative of something that has happened in history, you don't want to cause controversy with it. You have to be accurate because you want to tell the story of what happened. Yeah. But when it comes to like um, a fictitious piece, something written in sort of your general atmosphere, don't stick to um, the the characteristics or race or religion or gender or yeah. you know sexual orientation because any person can become that part and interpret it as they see fit. I will reiterate this until the end of the time. Art is subjective. You can like what you like. You can produce what you want to produce. And if someone has a problem with it, then yeah, that's your opinion. You're allowed to have that opinion. But in the terms of like these people who think that you have to typecast and you can't do anything else with anything or like any other characters... Yeah, I totally agree. I think it deserves to be rejected. There's um, no way of recalling it, to be honest. It's just like anyone who thinks like you're not open to interpretation or you don't want to see something done because, oh, that's not my sort of production, then I'm sorry, you need to get out of the audition room. You're rejected. I'm sorry. Trap door's open for you. (laughs) There we go. We are two for two. And now we come up to our final point. Stuart, what is the final audition of the day? And what performance has it given today that makes you want to reject it? It is set curriculums. This is the audition I'm choosing here. It's taken from my experience in America. Because mm-hmm. when me and obviously a group of our group of our friends who were on the course with us in university, yeah. we took a trip to study abroad in three different universities in the USA. Me and uh, mates that went to the university in North Carolina, Greensboro. Yeah, we had, and I didn't know this was the case. I thought obviously it was a set thing that we studied as well in in their university in North Carolina as well. But we could we could choose what classes we wanted to take. And it was, again, first come, first serve. You know, obviously you applied for the classes, you chose them, you get your selections in. Kind of like yeah. what you did in, uh, you know, GGCSE. Yeah, comprehensive school, high school, like um, your three specialist subjects, and then you've got your essentials you have to do. Yeah, Yes, exactly. And in university, everything, there was no set, there was no set classes that you had to take. Everything was worth like a number of points that go towards your degree. Everything was all like free game, like some, some were more points than others. So the system was like, you you had to choose like some classes which offered this set number of points in order to like sort of build it up. You couldn't take like five small classes because it wouldn't be enough for the degree that you were going to get. Yeah. I mean, you could even take classes that you would have done in freshman year, in like the first year of university. I see. You could even do that and then still take some of the classes that you were going to do in like third year then. Um, they were all free again and you were free to choose them. So if they had this in the university degree that we did in university together, mm-hmm. I feel that we could have excelled greatly in like our own craft and got to explore it like much further and then take that forward into our careers after university Mm. so it's like tailoring our experience and our study and say okay that's a field 
that's a, that's a field that I'm really keen to study or really keen to, in, to mm. uh, interested to experience or or that's something I've not explored before rather mm. than having like a set idea of like classes okay okay we're doing this on Monday we're doing this on Tuesday and you've got these like you, you have to do these like six pieces of craft you can choose mm. which ones you uh, want to study and then obviously you may want to do these later you're setting your own path. You're not having the path set for you. It's almost like you're all the same and there's no individuality about it. Whereas like when you went to America, like you said, you got to choose your own elements of the course that you specifically wanted to specialize in. The first year of university, you do all six modules. Yeah, that's cool. You get a taste of it. Then the second year is the same. Cool. All right, then. But then maybe the third year, it should be tailored to something that you want to learn like you say like break it up like if you if your field is more i don't know say now you want to go down more of a musical theater route then yeah there's the speciality module for musical theater that you and the select people who applied for that and like me if i wanted to do something on filmmaking then that's there for me and like we don't have to do those other modules because like we haven't specified that we want to specialize in that and there's nothing wrong with that yeah, it, it would definitely encourage a lot more individuality if people had the choice of what they wanted to do. Yeah, because like they could use the first two years to find out what fields they're really interested uh, interested in, and then yeah. for the third year, that's the kind of areas of expertise that they they either enjoy or they really want to pursue. Um, later on beyond university and could even commit more time to it than in the third year because yeah. you know the third year that we had of course was like you know this this set module here for like the autumn term this for the spring term this for the um for the summer term um but then having instead of that having a set uh module that you could choose and have more time for the whole year which mm. to enhance it by you know, you could do like three performances in that module one for each one um, one for each term could really, really present you in the best way possible. It's like, you know, if someone does like a dissertation yeah. and they choose the field um, that they want to do like a 10,000 word essay in, this is the module now that's going to find me in the third year of my um, my degree in acting. This, yeah. is the, this is how I want to present myself. This is the field that I want to go into as a career in acting. If I could choose that and then show that I excel in it, that's the best presentation degree and and it marks the performances then and i could yeah. say like I, I i got a chance to do this play and uh, i got to learn about you know this um this historic period of time or oh, i got to study this field of music i got to sing some of the favorite songs that i've watched in theater i think the only time where we really had like sort of a choice of what we wanted to do in especially in third year for us was the site specific module where it was split up into a movement, a multi, was it, yeah, multilingual section, acting, and musical. Some people will say it's like, oh, well, you had that sort of choice there. But the point that you're making, and I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is the fact, like, maybe have, like, your specialised module throughout the year. So, like, yeah, maybe still do, like, those bits, like, where you're rehearsing a show for like maybe you could even if it was just like one day a week like four days of just constant rehearsal for like until like the winter the christmas break and then on like a friday or something you all break off into your specialized classes so then you get to put your interests and you put your what you want to study into yeah. you know the sort of the third year yeah. you get to excel in the craft that you want to take forward yeah 
A point I've brought up on this podcast and one of my friends' podcasts is the school system, just like the general ones. Like, I know you mentioned about the GCSEs earlier, but Mm -hmm. with uh, the school system, it's more drilled into you that you have to learn this certain way, you have to have these essential skills, and if you don't get these certain grades, then you're lesser than someone who's got higher grades, which I don't think should be the case. That's like saying, you've all um, studied different things now, um, different fields of performance. Now I want you to all do physical theatre. Well, and so you're going to judge every speciality from each person based on a a speciality that not everybody was specialising in. I said specialised a lot in that sentence. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like, you know, it it, it was, and I don't don't mind talking about this um, just on my side, but the stuff that I did in America, I scored the most on mm-hmm. so it was in the 90s it was in the top like 95 96 percent pass grade that i got in the majority of the modules that i studied and that was because those are the ones that i chose and the ones i was interested in that, uh, that i wanted to learn uh more about and then there were some where i didn't necessarily choose them but they were other choices because the other classes were full but i still you know, I didn't make a choice and it was beneficial anyway. Then I got to write about it and I got to talk about my experiences uh, and then obviously deliver a presentation. But that particular study abroad module was my best scorer and that's what contributed to the result of my degree. Yeah. The really good result that I had because of the experiences in the USA that I had. And it's because I got to do the stuff that I, I wanted to do and learned so much from. Yeah, and you didn't feel forced, like you had to take part in that because that was your choice. A perfect example I'll give from university is, I I'm, I can't speak for everyone, but there were some modules that people just weren't that interested in or passionate about. Not because like they didn't want to try and get involved with it, but because it just didn't suit them or that way of learning. Like, Absurd Theatre was a very controversial one, in my opinion. Yeah. So, like, Theatre of the Absurd is, like, the concept for all the listeners know, like, obviously just something that breaks, like, the typical structure of Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, and just showing art in any way you feel. Now, there were some people who absolutely thrived in that module, and they absolutely loved it. But then there were other people who didn't like the approach to it, and, like, the certain themes that it was tackling. That just goes to show that just because some people do well at it, and enjoyed it doesn't mean the other people are going to necessarily enjoy Mm -hmm. it that's why it should be like a choice thing so then the effort is positive and it's contributing to the experience then and get the most out of it hearing about that comparison from your studies abroad and the fact you got to take control of your own destiny if sorry to sound cliche but literally i think that's just the best way of explaining it rather than being forced to follow this resume and you have to excel at every single part and if you don't then it's like no bye bye all that sort of stuff less obligation in universities drama colleges and all these things to i can't even get the words be versatile to be like versatile Across all areas. So I would say rejecting the concept of like a set structure, would you say? Yeah. So so going against that um, and just, you know, towards the latter part of the, well, maybe towards the, maybe if not towards the latter part, but just have going against a set system um, that you must be proficient in, in all these areas. You've got, you've got to learn like some of these areas. No, Go against that and just have something where you are going and you experience some of these areas, but then you can decide which ones you want to go ahead with and which ones you want to study further. 
Of course. Now, obviously, I can't speak for every institute or place of study for every actor or performer in the United Kingdom or abroad because I don't know what they specialise in or how they do things. But for anyone that says you're going to be an individual and all that, and then you have to follow this structure and you can't choose your own modules that you want to specialise in, yeah, I'd say that gets rejected. So, yeah, it's going... Down the trapdoor. So yeah. Bye bye. Let the students choose their own destiny. (laughs) (laughs) Before we finish off, Stuart, I would just like to ask you, is there anywhere that any of our listeners can find you? Like you mentioned, like you were on Twitch earlier. Have you got any special links that they can go to? Like your Twitch channel, YouTube channel, anywhere like any casting directors could find your profile? What would you like to plug? Yeah, I mainly perform on Twitch via twitch.tv forward slash Stew Waters. Mainly perform on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And I do a variety of content, including voice acting, uh, video games, uh, new and old, and sort of do a bit of like retro um, gaming as well. Um, so usually on there. But also I put my content on my YouTube channel, which is by the same name, Stew Waters. Uh, easily found, um, type it in the search box, um, or you know, you can find the links on my Twitch channel. I, I provide them there also. And then I have uh, social media platforms then on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It is uh, Stu Waters on Facebook, Stu Waters Hype on Twitter, and Stuart underscore Waters on Instagram. So um, if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm doing, uh, give me a follow on those, and uh, I thank you for doing so. I will chuck the links for all of those in the description of this podcast. I'll chuck them up on my social medias as well, at Reject or Recall on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And guys, thank you so much for listening in. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Again, it has been an absolute privilege. And as always, let us know what some of your pet peeves are when it comes to the arts industry, whether it's in film, TV, video games, or radio, pro wrestling, doesn't matter. There's loads of different art forms that everyone has a pet peeve. And remember this, guys, when in doubt, jazz hands. Or in this case, when in doubt, switch it off and then on again. (laughs) Take care, guys, and stay safe during this lockdown. Ta-ra, guys. (laughs) 